Welcome to Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, sponsored by DS Beverages, your Anheuser-Busch distributor in Paul Bunyan Country. Bonded Lock and Key, your home for Liberty Safes. Timberline Sport and Convenience in Black Duck. Ace on the Lake in Bemidji. Pepsi Nye Bottling in Bemidji. And Clearbrook Electric. Coming up later on in this week's show, we will talk fall duck hunting and upcoming events with Ducks Unlimited. Scott Anderson joins us. But right now, it's time to talk about fall musky fishing. That is a great time to go musky fishing. We've got Kevin Cochran, one of our favorites, on the show today to give us the details. And we will get into that in a moment. But, Kevin, uh, one of the things I really like to do, because so many of the people I talk to uh, happen to, to be teachers that are also guides, I get the insights on what's going on in school and with coaching and different things like that. And, of course, this year, um, going back to last spring even, it was it's it's been very weird. But with the new year underway, how's everything going for you and the folks at J.W. Smith? You know, it's going great. The teachers there at J.W., in my opinion, are some of the best in the district. Um, uh, it is kind of frustrating that we don't have all our kids back. And we do have a lot of kids doing distance. And there's quite a few kids that are actually unaccounted for that are just really ghosts out there that we can't get a hold of. So that in itself has been pretty frustrating. Um, You know, I I did read a recent report by the World Health Organization that that discussed the mental stability of kids coming out of um, coming out of, um, I guess, this this confinement. and a lockdown and and it's just not good you know it's uh it's they need that social experience they need to be around other kids they uh, they just need they need so much and and they get it at school they get they get that that social experience um there's and the ones that are home right now they're just not getting it uh you know that is kind of the frustration that that i see a little bit um but, you know, we want all the kids back in school and we want everything to return back to normal, which I know at this point is kind of a fantasy. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we're teachers. We want to be around kids. And, you know, eventually everything, um, everything with the, uh, the lockdowns and all that, it, it, it doesn't happen again. Um, yeah, I mean, I know yeah, even so. as adults, you know, we, we need socialization. I know I do, and, and so uh, I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad we're moving in the right direction. I'm glad that we've got some sports going on. I wish we could pack gyms and, and uh, facilities, but at least at least we got stuff happening now. We do, yeah. And, you know, the worst thing, the worst thing, in my opinion, would be uh, another another um, another lockdown type scenario that would that would just not be good for our kids no stay at home order yeah not good (laughs) all right well let's let's talk a little bit of fishing that was one thing that people were able to do this summer was get outside and and we heard great reports overall fishing licenses were up uh people were seeing more traffic on the on the water i think there were poor people riding bikes in the bike trails uh, more people, uh, you know, all of these outdoor activities. I think we're going to see a good hunting year. Uh, and and that, to me, that's, that's if you want to look for positive, that's a positive because that's something I think a lot of people have not done in the past that is a really positive thing for mental health. Right. You know, and, and hopefully it will regenerate uh, those lo- lost youth that have never experienced those things. You know, those are <laughs> – 
right away I remember walking with my family down on uh, on the west side of Lake Bemidji, you know, all the, walking in all the way to BSU, and I saw, you know, that those warm spring days uh, when there was a stay-at-home order. Um, you know, you can do a- outdoor activities, obviously, and we would see hundreds upon hundreds of people outside, and and that was kind of the the start of it. And and I watched, I followed the fishing license sales, and I watched them climb to twenty six percent, forty six percent, like like fifty or sixty percent more than what they were last year, which is absolutely incredible. And and I hope um, I, I hope there's stipulations in place that. Um, you know that that take them that money earned and create new angling uh, opportunities for um, for uh, residents and non-residents to fish. So, oh yeah, I hope so too. And and I think like in your subset of fishing, Kevin, um, that increase that we saw in license sales this year that's going to probably filter because most people who are trying fishing for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time, they're not going to dive right into musky fishing. That's that's something that takes a little bit more fishing. So hopefully these people start fishing, they get a little bit more serious, and then uh, you'll see more, more musky anglers out there in a few years too. Right, yeah. And I, and I think from from that perspective, you know, hopefully the DNR would listen to, um, you know, us saying that we, we need more lakes. And I know we had a 2020 long-range plan that, um, I don't think it met the uh, the lakes. There were supposed to be so many lakes that were going to get stocked, and that didn't happen. Um, a lot of it came down to um, pressure from legislators, um, and it was all created by uh, either the Dark House Association or um, or just just groups that just hate muskies. So, um, so we need we need. I mean taking that into consideration we need more lakes uh, more musky lakes more angling opportunities for uh, the increase of musky fishermen that we see to help reduce help reduce uh, some of the pressure that anglers are seeing out there and and i mean it's a pretty finite resource um you're talking sometimes one fish for every 10 acres and in a six thousand acre lake that's uh, 600 fish so uh, you know, it would be nice to see more angling opportunities. And I can, I, and I think I speak for the vast majority of musky anglers when I say that. Um, but you know, we did see this year. I saw incredible amounts of people out fishing. Um, I, a lot of musky guys, a lot of walleye guys. Uh, you know, and and one thing that that was pretty awesome to see was uh, just the families, the groups of, of families that would come up here to northern minnesota resorts um so you know our, our economy um relies heavily on tourism and it's definitely uh definitely a good thing this summer definitely was and i you know talking to a lot of guides that after it opened up and they were able to start guiding again and they were finding that they ended up being very very busy not just with these new anglers but with anglers that typically went north of the border to do musky fishing or whatever fishing, and they weren't able to do that, and uh, they're hoping that maybe they've got some long-term customers now uh, going forward. Yeah, you know, I, I guided a handful of people that actually own property up on Lake of the Woods, Eagle, Lac Sewell, you know, way up north, and, you know, they couldn't, they obviously couldn't go up there this year. 
which is really unfortunate. Um, so they they went you know to the next best thing, and that was up here, uh, northern Minnesota, all the way from here to Vermilion. Um, but yeah, I I would get you know at the peak in July and August, I bet I would get maybe five to ten either calls or text messages or messages through my website a day. So it was it was overwhelming and. Um, and I think there were <laughs> the only days I didn't really work uh, were the days I took off and took a vacation with my family. So um, I think I worked all but maybe nine or ten days, June, July, August. So it was it was busy. <laughs> um, it was busy, and and I broke a lot of stuff, and, <laughs> uh, which is pretty typical when you when you're on the water that many days in a row. But yeah, I, I had a great time. You're kind of you know there's there's a lot of guides out there that musky is is in their toolbox. It's one of a few species they'll they'll guide for and fish for. Uh, you're one of the few I know that is a 100 percent musky guide. There can't be a whole lot of you guys out there. Correct. Uh, it, you know, as far as I know, I'm I'm the only one in this area. There's there's uh, quite a few. I call them slashies, muskies or walleye slash bass slash crappie slash perch. Um, but there's, there's quite a few, uh, of those guys out there that'll, they'll take you fishing for kind of whatever you want. And, um, I, and I have to tell my clients that right away to contact me. I'm like, well, you know, they're looking for a fishing guide and, and I have to say, well, I am a musky guide. I'm, I'm a musky only guide. So, uh, look at my website and, and check out like the about your trip page and see if something like that would suffice. But, you know, I, I do turn people away because, uh, quite a few people, because I'm, I'm, I don't fish for everything. So, so overall, let's, uh, let's just take a look at the overall picture from opening day to now. Uh, how has the overall walleye or muskie season been this year? Uh, over June and July, it was tough. You know, we, we saw some inconsistent weather, and, and it seemed like once July um, the first week of July, we experienced an extreme heat wave. And, uh, you know, I think 15 to 20 days of that and our water temps were 80 degrees. Um, I shut it down. I shut it down for nine days and, and went on vacation with my wife. Uh, but, you know, once during that time, it, it was, it was pretty tough. It was unusually tough this year, June and July. Once August hit, I mean, it's been incredible. The first week of August, things started to cool down. The water water cooled down. Uh, bait moved shallow. I saw a lot of perch up shallow in the sand flats and the reeds and the um, and some of the, the sparse cabbage beds. Um, and once that happened, then of course the muskies are, are right behind them. August was was absolutely my my best month I've I've had in years. September has been awesome. Um, you know, and even October, October so far has been great. We're experiencing a little bit of a turnover right now on most of the area lakes. Um, usually during a turnover period, uh, things, things are a little slow. And we did kind of experience that this past weekend. It was a, it was, it was a tough fight, but, um, things are, we're on the, the backside of that now and, uh, things will definitely pick up. You're going to see you're going to see a fall bite pick in. Uh, you'll see fish more 
located around two of these schools pretty soon and more um, brake line associated. One of the cool things about this show is a lot of people uh, just listen. They want to know what's going on. They're not really uh, experts at fishing. So give them an idea of what you're talking about when you say turnover. Uh, you know, it's it's basically the, the water on top is now um, colder than the water below it. So the water below it goes on top of that, that colder water. And it just the bay, the lake, the water in the lake just basically flips upside down. So you, you see a lot of um, um, you know the algae and and the uh, plankton in the water. You see that kind of move to the top now. And there's there's it's 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 dirtier. Uh, if you get a really calm day, I think it's pretty calm today actually. So. It, uh, I would expect to see a lot of a lot of a lot of algae on top of the water, and and it almost resembles like a green paint on top of the water in some of the shallow the shallow water, and less less than maybe five or six feet. So um, you'll see that, and soon enough, then then that that settles, and it, it mixes up, and it's gone. We have uh, been blessed with a very, very mild fall, a long fall. Normally, uh, the beauty of fall lasts about a week to two weeks around here, and that's it. Um, we've had a great fall so far. Uh, how's that affected fishing one way or the other? You know, it's been gorgeous. Uh, typically in the fall, really warm days, I don't do so well uh, because it is, it's just out of the norm. You know, you don't, you don't see many... 60 degree days in, in October or mid 60 degree days, days in October. But this year, it, for whatever reason, it, it hasn't, it hasn't, um, it hasn't done much damage to our catch rate. So we're, we're still catching fish, um, all the way up until the turnover. And, and I assume we'll, we'll do pretty well this weekend when I guide. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I love I love uh, I love the beautiful days in the fall and and fortunately, you know, we can find the fish and still catch them. So. What are you presenting to the to the fish right now? Uh, you know, I use a lot of like stop and go baits, whether that's a jerk bait or a crank bait or any kind of a plastic bait, just something that is stop and go. Um, you know, there were about a week ago we did really well in glide baits, so that is. Uh, an erratic action bait you could you could you could pause uh, momentarily um but yeah just stop and go baits has kind of been my go-to the past the past two or three weeks okay you know um you were talking about that real hot stretch and i think one of the things i appreciate about the anglers and the guides and, and the people here is they, they're very serious about the activity but they're also very very conscientious about the uh about the fishery and about the resource itself. And whether it was uh, bass or whether it was muskies or whether it was walleyes, there's a lot of guys, if they didn't shut it down, they just about shut it down. And we're very, very careful during that time. Yeah, you know, I I, I wasn't I wasn't even in the state. I was, uh, my wife and I were on the West Coast. But, you know, and, and we have some in, incredible local anglers here that are very conscientious and that, that care about the resource. So, um I would say the mindset is definitely different than it was 15 years ago where um, 
I think 2008 and 2012 were years that that stuck out in my mind as as being years that that we did have extremely hot weather and um, it was just a different attitude. Even eight years ago, it was a different attitude, and you know. But I, I think a lot of people now realize how how crucial those fish are uh, of any species, really. You know, big walleyes, especially. I mean, if you catch a big walleye when the water temperature is eighty degrees out of thirty feet of water, it's you know it's, doesn't doesn't fare too well. So. Um, yeah, I mean, the anglers of today are, they're different. They're different than they were 10, 15 years ago. Are you seeing a good diversity of sizes out there? Um, you know, it's, I I would clump the lakes that are natural, for example, like leech, cass, and weenie. I would, I would classify them as, well, they're, they are natural lakes. Um, and there, there is a really good size distribution where you have a great shot at catching, in all honesty, a 35-incher and also 45-incher, a 50-incher, you know. Um, there is that 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 more, um, I guess, gradual bell curve when it comes to uh, size structure. But the stock lakes are, they're, you know, they're completely different. You see a lot of really big fish, uh, fish from maybe 45 to 52, um, and you don't see many under 45, 44 or 45 inches. Our average in Minnesota is, is higher and, and it, it is, it is kind of worrisome too, um, because those, those stock lakes, you know, there's, there's been a, a lot of reports that where the smaller fish are in those stock lakes and, they just, in my opinion, there's just not a lot there, and I and I think those those fish that are on that top tier, that the really big fish, the 40, 48 to fifty two, fifty threes, they they have well, without a doubt they have um, um, the spot preferences, so they'll be on the best spot, like the rock spines, the inside turns, the really specific spot on the spot, and. And I know regarding their relationship with the smaller fish, there is there is some suppression. Um, I I have even heard of there was a report in I don't know 2000, I'd have to look 2012 maybe that uh, our DNR put out um, specifically looking at the size structure of Lake Bemidji fish, and you know they they even thought like cannibalism. There's definitely there's definitely spot suppression. Um, those smaller fish are either in very odd places or they're, they don't exist. So, um, and that seems to be the common theme amongst a lot of stock lakes up here. And the, the, you know, usually the bigger the fish, um, the harder they are to catch. Yeah. So what can you do about it really? (laughs) I don't know. I, I, I would like to see. I would like to see the DNR um, stock lakes differently. Uh, you know, they do they do stock lakes. Uh, I believe they still stock lakes at at like eight. Like they have one formula that is good for every lake. Uh, it measures um, littoral acres. So, you know, maybe maybe some of those lakes need to be stocked more with with more fish. So, I, and, I, and I think that. 
you know, there, there are a lot of lakes like Bemidji and uh, Vermilion, Malax that could use more fish. And, and they look at, I, I think they, that original equation was done when they thought that muskies only use like 12 feet and less of the water column. So, and I could be, I could be, I could be wrong, but I, but I believe that is the case. So that they would, they believe they only use 12 feet and less of the water column. So they only stock 12 feet and less that acreage. Okay. So, um, you know, and, and, that's just simply not not the case. We catch fish out over 80, 90, 100 foot of water that are suspended following tubaby schools around. So, um, I mean, if it's there, they're using it. And those fish, those fish swim. You know, I've I've been on um, spots this year where I could really use my electronics and kind of fine tune their location. And sometimes there were like 10 to 15 fish on a spot and. I'd come back two hours later, and I'd, I'd be disappointed when I would only see maybe one or two. So those those fish move a lot, and they swim over every every part of that, that lake that they're in. Um, so, I mean, maybe looking at stocking criteria that is lake-specific. We've got a lot more thoughts from Kevin Cochran on musky fishing in Paul Bunyan country still to come. But up next, we're going to talk ducks. The duck season is underway, and Scott Anderson from Ducks Unlimited gives us an update on what's happening out there and some Ducks Unlimited events that are happening as well. This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Welcome to Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, part two, where we're going to talk a little duck hunting. We usually check in with Scott Anderson, the regional director of Ducks Unlimited, uh, in early fall before the uh, big banquet here in Bemidji, and about this time of year to see how things are going in the duck world. Scott, welcome back. Thanks for having me on. Well, let's talk a little bit about duck hunting before we do anything else. Have you been out there yet, and what are you finding? Yeah, um, actually, I had a few hours to sneak out into the, the marsh today, was out there, um, hearing a few reports as well too. Now, obviously with this big, uh, cold front we have hitting us right now, that should start moving some birds around and moving some birds from, uh, up north. Um, sound like opener was pretty decent for most people. Um, had a lot of successful bags. Of course, some people that weren't that, uh, didn't have as great success either, but that's just how hunting goes. And, uh, it slows down a little bit kind of in that early October range, but from here until deer season, deer season, it should start picking up. And, uh, right when you start hitting November, usually it's really good. So, um, Birds are around. It's just uh, finding where they're at and doing some scouting and uh, spending your time wisely to make sure you're, you're putting the effort into finding where the birds are before you get out. Okay. Well, I tell you, um, we had a beautiful, beautiful fall uh, until just recently. It got a little rainy and cold. But uh, does, a, does a nice weather fall help duck hunting or hinder duck hunting, or does it really matter? Um, you know, for the most part, I would say – it probably hinders it a little bit. I mean, um, the birds move from up north to down south based on a couple of different things. Um, usually, though, it's f- uh, food availability and weather conditions. Um, obviously, they sit on the water, so if there's open water, they can kind of stick around, and as long as there isn't a lot of snow covering the ground, they can still find food. Um, there are some ducks that tend to, they call calendar ducks, like ringnecks, that kind of just seem to move on a timing base no matter what the weather is like. Uh, for the most part, and that's 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 actually a very prime, uh, primary duck that we shoot here in Minnesota, or the ringneck duck, 
And this is about the time where they, the migration starts peaking for those. So those birds should be moving down pretty quick. But um, overall, it'd be nice to have kind of a steady transition from the, you know, September 70 degree days into November, you know, maybe even single digits into November, but uh, doesn't seem we're getting that this year. It kind of dropped quick, but uh, we'll see what happens here over the next couple of weeks. Okay. Um, the, uh, the next season though, overall, like you say, there's some stuff going on. Are you seeing more hunters, less hunters? Does it, uh, or have you been able to t- determine? Uh, here, I mean, myself and hearing reports from other people, uh, they're definitely noticing more hunters out there. Um, it was kind of a big question. There's two things that, you know, could play into that. One is, uh, many of the hunters, especially from this area do travel up into Canada to hunt. And obviously they can't this year with the border being closed. Um, so a lot of people were expecting to maybe see more pressure out, out, uh, out in the hunting areas there. Um, and I think that is starting to show a little bit here. Uh, this weekend's always a big one. So there'll probably be a little more pressure now with, uh, with MEA going on a lot of, a lot of parents bringing their kids out. I know that's kind of one of the big weekends when I was growing up is getting out for MEA and hunting with my dad and my grandpa. Um, but, uh, I mean, pressure will probably be a little higher. I know sales were higher, just like they were for fishing licenses in the summer. Uh, hunting licenses, uh, from what I understand, the, the numbers are looking positive and higher. So probably something to expect that you'll see maybe a few more boats out on the, on the marsh or trucks in the field if you're going out hunting. But um, plenty of space out there, especially in Minnesota, lots of water to get on it chase the birds around okay um so as uh, as we take a look uh, at the the rest of the year what do you think you're going to see happen well hopefully over the next uh, couple weeks we'll start seeing a lot of birds pour down um and have a good year uh, you know minnesota up here especially in the north as long as we don't get those frigid frigid temperatures come deer season um you know our season goes to just about up to thanksgiving um it's just before thanksgiving it shuts down um, and as long as we have open water, we'll have birds. Um, and the temperatures look fine for that. I mean, right now, is, you know, the extended forecast for whatever you want to uh, take that with, um, you know, looks good. It's going to get cold. It'll be highs in the 30s, lows in the 20s. But until until it starts hitting single digits, you don't really start locking too much of the big water up. So um, it should be good. I mean, uh, reports we're getting from people seeing pictures in Canada of the birds up there and even uh, just reports coming down from uh, the Dakotas and other areas around us. Um, people are seeing a lot of birds. Um, so it should be a positive season as long as we just don't get, uh, you know, as a duck hunter, you always hope you don't get that just big freeze in one big shot where everything just moves fast through and you get, you know, maybe three, four days and that's about it. So hopefully it's an extended couple week period of the migration and uh, we are able to get out and enjoy it longer. All right. Um, so um, overall, though, uh, from what you can tell, and I know this is not something you just uh, pay attention to now, but are working on all the time, uh, the the numbers that come through our flyway um, are 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 healthy and solid. Uh, they are. Um, you know, with the COVID stuff going on here this spring, there was a lot of the surveys that normally happen from the federal government that didn't happen, and even the state agencies as well too. Uh, so the, the numbers and reports we were getting back this spring and um, for the nesting habitat and even through the summer was lower than normal, but that was mainly just because we weren't being able to get reports. Um, but from the sounds of it, uh, from the migration looks this fall, some of the late summer uh, surveys that happened, um, it does look like the populations did really well this spring. Um, and that's usually attributed to having a wet spring, which we did, um, especially even a wet, wet winter, heavy snow winters as well, too. Um, those help so that when the birds come north, they have water on the landscape and grass in the landscape, and they can get in there and uh, breed and, and reproduce 
successfully. Um, so what hall has been going on this fall? I know we had the, you know, the Bemidji banquet a while ago, a few others as well. Uh, how's, you know, and I know we had to kind of limit what was going on there, but how has the banquet season been so far? It's actually been, it's been really great. Uh, there was a big question mark of what it was going to look like coming into, whether we can even just hold banquets. Um, obviously, everything in Minnesota, we're limited to that half capacity for the, the venue that we're in. Um, but every event that we've held this fall has been well attended. Uh, actually, almost every single one is sold out in advance. Um, they all did sell out um, the day of, for sure. Um, people are looking to get out and do stuff and have some fun and get back to kind of a normal life. And, uh, you know, and the best part is, is that, you know, we've been holding a good amount of events in northern Minnesota, but across the state. And uh, not a single one has had any issue with any of the, the COVID-related stuff. Um, we're making sure that all of our attendees are following the regulations we need and um, require to, and that uh, we're playing as safe as we can and taking all the precautions we can, and it seems like it's paying off at least on that end of it. Okay. Um, so we had, a good, we had a good Bemidji banquet. Yes. Yes, very good. Um, and you got another event coming up here pretty soon, right? We do. Yep. Um, we actually have one coming up at the end of October here on the 29th at the Eagles Club. Um, it's kind of a popular one we've done now for the last couple of years. Uh, we usually do it in the winter. Um, but we're going to try one in the late fall here and probably maybe come back in the winter as well, too. But we're doing our sportsman's bingo. Uh, basically, you're coming and playing bingo and chance to win guns, coolers, uh, grills, outdoor gear, power tools, hunting, fishing gear. Um, kind of anything you want. Um, I know we the last two we've done over the last couple of years at Lazy Jacks has sold out in advance. Um, we're doing this one, like I said, at the Eagles Club here on the 29th, and it's technically actually being ran by the Bemidji Ladies Ducks Unlimited chapter, but unlike their regular ladies' banquet, this one is open to men or women. doesn't matter. Anyone can attend. Um, and we're already already halfway sold out, so we're still a few weeks away, and we're, we're tickets are uh, going away quick. So if, uh, if you're out there and you're interested in planning on or would like to attend it, uh, we suggest you don't wait till the last minute because uh, tickets are moving pretty fast. And you probably are limited in the tickets you can sell because you can't pack the place like you might have been able to do last year or the year before. Correct. Yep. Uh, with that with that facility, our capacity is a max of 150, which in that for anyone that's been in that room, that's quite a big room. So that gives us quite a bit more room to space out and spread out and uh, follow all the, the regulations we need to and take all the precautions we have to. Um, and, uh, like I said, we're, we're about halfway sold out already. So it's something that if you're interested in going, I wouldn't wait too long to get tickets. Yeah. Um, you can do that. Yeah. You can do that a couple ways. It's pretty easy. Uh, probably the easiest way is just to go online at, uh, www.mndu.org. And you can just find the Bemidji, Bemidji, uh, sportsman's bingo event there and purchase right online. And it's just, it's 20 bucks to get in. Um, that includes a chance at a door prize. Now, unlike regular banquets, there is no meal that comes with this, but there will be food there you can purchase from the Eagles if you want. But uh, 20 bucks gets you in the door, and then we play 10 games of bingo, and you can buy that whole bingo pack for 50 bucks. So for 70 bucks, you're in and out, and you'll be able to play all 10 games of bingo. And with only 150, uh, decent odds, better better odds than you might normally have. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, and the bottom line is someone has to win. So, I mean, we'll keep we'll keep calling letters and numbers until someone says bingo. So, someone's going to be winning prizes. So, it uh, might as well be you if you're going to attend. Absolutely. All right. And then again, when is the date for that? That is October 29th, which is a Thursday, and that's down at the Eagles Club. All right. And you got a few other things outside of this area going on as well, because you you cover quite a big bit, quite a big area as a regional director, correct? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm at the region I cover uh, is kind of northern or northwestern Minnesota. It goes all the way down to Little Falls to the south end, um, up Highway 10 to, to Moorhead area there, and then, of course, the North Dakota and Canadian borders all the way to Iowa Falls and Grand Rapids. So pretty big area. There's nothing real close to the Bemidji area coming up later this month besides that Bemidji, the Bemidji Sportsman's Bingo one. But, um, you know, if you're traveling to Roseau or there's one in Wadena this weekend, uh, Middle River here in a couple weeks, uh, and uh, Roseau as well, too. I'm not sure if I said that one, but those are that's it. And then kind of once deer hunting starts, our banquets pretty much slow down, and uh, all of our volunteers get to get out and enjoy what they love doing in the outdoors. So, so for those who um, maybe are contemplating, like so many other people did, uh, taking up some actor outdoor activities that they haven't in the past deer hunting being among them um give us some advice what what kind of uh gun do you like what what works best for shooting ducks out of the sky yeah well obviously if you're hunting birds you're going with a shotgun um that's well with with legality that's what you have to use but also it's your best opportunity um everybody has you know their own kind of flavor they like i mean it's just kind of like a like a vehicle or a truck, you know, you like Ford, you like Chevy, you like Dodge. It's, uh, I, I personally, I shoot a Benelli. That's kind of what I, what I shoot at ducks. Um, I have a few different gauges though. I, I'll, I mainly shoot a 12 gauge, which is pretty common for almost anybody. Uh, I do have a 20 gauge as well too, which is, it's kind of the, the next most common, but then sometimes, sometimes I'll go with a little, a smaller one just to have a little fun on some smaller, smaller areas that we're hunting. I shoot a 28 gauge as well too every once in a while. So just change it up a little bit to have a different feel and a different look each time. Like anything that you're doing in the uh, outdoors during fall, your uh, your enjoyment of it is going to depend on how warm you are. And obviously, until recently, we had great weather to be outdoors. Now it gets a little trickier. Now you just you got to layer up, and you and and you've got to uh, you've got to stay warm. Otherwise, it's just going to be miserable. It, it can be tough. I tell you, it was it was uh, pretty brisk this morning going out <laughs> on the on the water. Um, but the hard part about duck hunting is the colder it gets. And the worse the weather, the better the hunting gets. So duck hunting is definitely one of those things that you can, you can certainly enjoy it in the early part of the season when it is really nice out, 50s, 60s, even 70s sometimes. Um, but it just tends to be when you, if you really want to get into the birds and have a good time, it's, you're going to be going out when it's, when it's chilly, rainy, cold, snowy. Um, the worse the conditions, the more the birds move around and the more they want to be in your decoys. So they, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those ones you just got to be prepared for the worst because that's when it's the best. How important is it, most duck hunters I know or bird hunters I know have a dog. How important is that and how helpful is that? Uh, it's extremely helpful. Um, you know, the importance of it, I, you know, is not that great. Um, you know, I hunted most of my life without a dog. Uh, I've, only, I've only had, my, my family had dogs, but I personally only had a dog for the last uh, six or seven years. Um, but it is, it, is, it is a game changer, that's for sure. Um, it is well, one, you don't have to go pick up the birds yourself. They, they, they love and want to go get them every time something falls. Um, and even if you miss, they still tend to want to get out there and go find something. Um, but, you know, the, the, probably the most, the, the, the best aspect of it is, is, you know, when you're hunting ducks, you're, you're in cattails or in wild rice, or you might even be, you know, near a shoreline. And sometimes those birds can scoot off if they're crippled or they fall on a really thick area of cattails. And it's just, it's unbelievable the 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 smell those dogs can pick up on and find those birds and so one of the best parts is that i i mean when you have a dog you just tend to lose less birds which is a, a, a great positive for many different aspects um so it's you know like i said it's not something that's a necessity but it certainly is extremely helpful to have a have a dog what dogs uh seem to be 
I know there's certain breeds of dogs that are made to do this. What what are the best ones? Well, the best is hard to tell or hard to say because you're going to have a lot of arguments there from a lot of different people. Um, the most common is certainly a Labrador. Um, everybody's familiar with you know chocolate blacks, yellows, lots of different colors there now, and that's probably the most common. Um, another common one is the Chesapeake Bay Retriever. Um, but there's a lot of new dogs, or they're not necessarily new, but just getting introduced more into the uh, the waterfall uh, world, um, which they call um, versatile dogs. Um, which uh, which I I have one that falls in that category. I have a what's called the Drothar, which is in kind of the same family of the German wire hairs and uh, Pointinger fawns, those things. So you're starting to see some more of these European dogs now come mm-hmm. into effect, and and into waterfall hunting and. Uh, it's, you know, it's just, like I said, it's kind of like a gun or kind of like a truck. Everyone's kind of got their own one direction they want to go, and it's hard to say what's better than others, but, um, you know, it's it's your dog, so it's it's part of your family, and you're going to love it no matter what. So That is so it's, true. It's good to have one. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I presume there's specific types of training you need to do. Yeah, there is. Um, you know, and, and you can go way into it and spend a lot of money or a lot of time doing it yourself or paying someone else to. Um, you can do minimal and still get along too. It just really comes down to, you know, how, how often you're going to hunt, what kind of investment you want to make. I mean, I, I, I have friends that, that train, you know, weekly, multiple times a week, and that's part of their lifestyle where, and then I have other friends that, you know, have a, their dog is mainly a house dog. It's a family dog, um, spends time pretty much indoors, goes out hunting two or three times and it still gets the job done. Um, it's, there's, there's so much knowledge in those dogs head just naturally that it's unbelievable and once they start getting in those situations they just know what to do sometimes even when they weren't taught to do that they just figure it out and and go so it's you know nice to have a really really educated and trained dog but you certainly don't have to have the cream of the crop and spend thousands of dollars trying to get the right dog you know other dogs will do just fine as well okay you mentioned that a lot of uh, hunters from this area love to go up in Canada and do some duck hunting. I know a few of those who, who can't this year, as you noted. Um, what about you? Uh, outside of hunting in Paul Bunyan country, wh- where do you, where have you hunted before that you really enjoy? Yeah, so I, I travel, um, you know, when it comes to duck hunting, I'll, I travel up to Canada every once in a while. It's not an a annual thing I do, but I go up there every now and then. Um, I do travel to North Dakota pretty much annually. Um, I am going to South Dakota this year. Every state's a little bit different. Like South Dakota is a lottery draw. They only let so many non-residents in, um, where North Dakota is open to as many that they can sell. So this year I got drawn for South Dakota. So I'm heading down there. Um, and I'll, I'll travel. I do, I do head down to Arkansas every once in a while. And that's a little fun because that's, that's not until mid January. So it's a big break from the Minnesota seasons and then jumping back into the, the hunting season after everything up here is done and frozen and we're basically ice fishing. Um, and I've traveled to a few other states as well, too, like Wisconsin and uh, uh, Nebraska, stuff like that as well, too. So it's just it's it's fun to get out and visit other places, just like a regular vacation. It's just you get a hunt and kind of see how things are different in those areas. And um, the nice thing, too, is you usually get birds the further south you get. And later in the year, they start to get more colored. So they, you know, you're shooting things that are a little bit looking a little bit different than they do up here in Minnesota. <laughs> okay. Um, before we wrap it up, what, once again, what is the deadline? What's the final day of uh, duck hunting in Minnesota or, and certainly in our region? It, uh, for us up here, it ends that Tuesday, um, of Thanksgiving. Okay. I believe off the top of my head, that's usually when it is. It's right there. It's a 60 day season for us. Um, we don't take any breaks where 
the central and southern zone in Minnesota take a break. Um, so they go a little bit past us. So if you want to travel to southern Minnesota, you, you can hunt, I think, right up until basically December. Um, but uh, up here, we, we end just before Thanksgiving, and uh, which, is, which is sometimes the perfect time, sometimes the not perfect time. But uh, last couple of years, by the time we hit Thanksgiving, it's been frozen out pretty good here, and most birds have moved on. So timing the last couple of years has been good, but it's always a guessing game. Can't predict the weather. So hope, just hope for the best and get out when you can. And again, uh, coming up on the 29th, the Thursday night, you've got uh, Sportsman's Bingo. That's at the Eagles Club. Uh, about halfway sold out, 150 tickets max. And uh, again, uh, what's the best way to get those tickets? Probably the best way is to go right online. Um, it's www.mndu.org. And you can just it'll list all the events happening here in Minnesota. You can just find the one on that 29th that's in Bemidji, and you'll be all set to go. All right. Scott Anderson, the Regional Director of Ducks Unlimited in uh, Paul Bunyan Country and uh, actually a little bit beyond Paul Bunyan Country, too, uh, talking ducks in uh, October. Hey, Scott, thanks for your time today. We love checking in with you. Thanks for having me on. This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, checking back in now with Kevin Cochran, and we are talking muskies. Let's delve into something a little bit controversial. I want to go back to the topic we were discussing earlier um, when we were discussing that they had they had a plan for stocking more lakes and that's kind of run into uh, to uh, a battle. Uh, I just I don't understand. I mean I've I've been doing these interviews and I've talked with PNR people and I've talked with people who are in the industry and know everything and <laughs> I have never ever heard of a lake that stocked muskies that had a neg- that it had a negative correlation to other species it hasn't happened uh, sure. I, I, yeah. I mean the, the body of evidence is there and yet the uh, the fight continues I, I just it baffles me yeah you know they it's just it's just fear mongering that's really all it is um, and and I and I did I did I do want to go back on I said you know there was a lot of pushback from the dark house and that seems to be where it was ten years ago I'm I'm not sure where it is now but I I know there's a group called No More Muskies there's uh, Lakeshore owners that band together um, that are just misled by inaccurate information and and things that just that are just so far stretched um, as far as like I've even heard of eating, eating wood duck eggs to, to eating children and you know, all, all sorts of crazy stuff. So, well, that's true. I, I was uh, back 10, 11 years ago. I was the um, co-chair of the Minnesota Muskie Pike Alliance that um, and a lot of our, our job in it was about uh, getting the, the accurate information out there um, and presenting that, whether that would be um, in a house hearing or, or to uh, local businesses. And um, <clears throat> but you know, it's just it's just all bad information and fear mongering, and um, you know, and you see that. I mean, it works in politics too, right? So it, <laughs> you're just you're just basing you're basing everything off of fear and and instead of science, and that just doesn't that just doesn't really work. So, yeah. I 
because I the, the DNR we can have we can have disagreements with the DNR about maybe one proposal or this proposal, but we know. I know enough DNR guys. I've seen them in action enough to know this is not a shoot from the hip organization. If they're if they're introducing muskies into a water, they've done their homework. They're very certain there's not going to be negative consequences. Um, it, you know, uh, Lake Bemidji, perfect example. We started introducing muskies. I think it was 1980. We have more walleyes than we've ever had. We we get stronger bass numbers than we've ever had. The perch numbers are great. Um, Cass yeah. Lake, Leech Lake. I mean, name a lake that's got muskies, and their other species populations are very strong as well. Makes no sense. True, true, true. Well, Kevin, I know that you are going to be fishing muskies until, A, uh, you can't anymore due to the ice, or, B, December 1st rolls along. Um, So is there any time to get on the water with you, or are you booked? You know, there are. I've I've got dates open in... Uh, later this month and also November as well. Um, I do run trips after school, specifically uh, specifically in no- November. It does seem like the colder it gets, um, we do have a pretty decent bite from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. So that mid-November um, to December 1st is good. Uh, you know, I... I I am fortunate. I I have found an area of a lake that stays open that lake, so or that late, so I can I can get out and fish still. If people want to take a trip with you or just do some fishing, you know, when it gets cold, um, just some recommendations, not necessarily brand names, but what types of clothes do we have that will keep us warm yet allow us to be flexible enough to, you know, tr- to throw the lure out there? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there, there's just not a lot of information out there that describes that. So, over the last 20 years, I've 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 really kind of decided through trial and error and what works for me. And um, I like honestly, I love a lot of wool. Uh, you know, I have wool, heavy duty wool pants that that um, if layer correctly, and those on the outside, of course. I mean, I can fish. I can fish when it's in the teens. Um, and I do have heavy, heavy wool uh, sweaters as well. And then um, um, I have a big parka that I can wear. But you know, uh, wool, in my opinion, is uh, something that's that really gets overshadowed by a lot of the newer technology, the newer stuff out there. But it's it's always done well, keeping me warm. And it's one. Of, it's that material too that. Um, if it gets wet, it's, it still has um, an insulation value, too. You know, uh, specifically super late fall, I wear a Mustang survival suit, uh, which is a, something that like a, the Coast Guard would wear just in case I were to fall in. Then I would float. <laughs> I may not be alive, but I would float. <laughs> uh, um, but, yeah, just like layering in general. Layering in general is, is so key. You know, I have... So starting my socks, I have like a silk liner and then some super duty heavy wool socks with some pack boots. Um, and of course, uh, Under Armour long underwear, followed by like a, um, a polar, polar fleece long underwear, uh, top and bottom. Um, and yeah, and then just wool on top of that. 
so it, it works pretty well. What about for like um, for your hands, gloves that allow enough flexibility? Yeah. <clears throat> so um, if I'm casting, I like I like rubber gloves, like heavy duty surgical gloves that that won't tear. Um, and the the heavy duty black ones work really well. And then I'll put wool gloves over the top of those. And when those wool get pretty wet, then I'll switch them out for some fresh ones if I'm casting. Um, and you know, if I'm if I'm trolling where I'm where I'm not casting, I'll um, you know, it, it's a great idea to look at like what the snowboarders use. I I have a, a handful of different pairs of snowboard or mittens. Uh, you want to keep your fingers close together um, and don't don't go with gloves. Go with mittens. Um, because it's your fingers can keep uh, a lot warmer by by um, just closer being closer together and and also the heat packs do those uh, those heat packs that you shake I go through maybe <laughs> I don't even know a hundred of them in the fall. Kevin, if we want to book a trip this fall or find out everything going on in the world of Kevin Cochran, how do we do that? Uh, KevinCochranGuide.com. My phone number is. Five zero seven four five six nine zero two three. Kevin underscore at hotmail dot com for an email. Okay. Probably one of very few people that have a hotmail dot com. I was going to say, I, I yeah, I totally forgot they existed. And I know, date <laughs> me. I, that was probably like nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, and yet, and it's a new website too, isn't it? It is, yeah. Uh, Rob Yurtich built that website. Uh, just did an incredible job. He built that website um, late spring, around uh, I think it. I think it was operational in May. Okay. So, yeah, incredible. All right, he's Kevin Cochran, outstanding musky guide. This is the time to get out there and do some musky fishing. No doubt about it. Kevin, thank you for your time today, and have a great fall. Oh, thank you, Kev. You too. <laughs> You've been listening to Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. It's sponsored by Clearbrook Electric, Pepsi Nye Bottling of Bemidji, Ace on the Lake in Bemidji, DS Beverages, your Anheuser-Busch distributor in Paul Bunyan Country, Bonded Lock and Key, your home for Liberty Safes, and Timberline Sport and Convenience in Black Duck. We'll do it all again next week. Thanks for joining us. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 1. She was a city girl, but always somewhere else in her head. Somewhere where bison roam, rivers flow, and people get their hiking boots dirty. Like, actually dirty. So one day she fled west and discovered this place of beauty, history, and a delicious taste of adventure. But before she knew it, she was driving away with memories to share and the hopes of returning. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.